In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. So I didn't check with a parishioner to see if I could include them in today's sermon. So I'll I'll leave them slightly vague and they can identify themselves later if they choose. Um, But last Sunday, as we were filing out of the 11 o'clock service, um, a father in the congregation uh, carrying his uh, four-year-old little girl uh, said um, they had something to tell me. And uh, being four, she was uh, alternately ruler of the universe and incredibly shy, and so decided to go shy and turn away from me. And so her daddy decided to start, and so together they began to say the Lord's Prayer. She's learning the Lord's Prayer. And probably if I hadn't been there in front of her, she'd have gotten it perfect. But as she was saying it, there was a word or two that was out of place. Um, But it was where it needed to be. It was learning prayer. In some ways, it was no further along than any of us will ever become. As we seek to pray, as we struggle to find words, as we try to figure out what it means for us to be in relationship with a God who loves us. Prayer runs throughout today's readings. The power of prayer shows up in each of them in different ways. Um, That first reading from the Acts of the Apostles is one of my favorites. Uh, We know a lot about St. Paul. We usually think of him as being um, very much in charge of the moment, Uh, whether it was the earlier part of his career where he was busy persecuting Christians or through his dramatic conversion um, to the point where he then was Christianity's greatest defender. but in today's, God, uh, today's first reading, he doesn't exactly get it right. He, he's a little bit like Don Quixote, a little bit, sort of you know, bumbling along and trying his best to do what he thinks is right, but making things worse. Um, if you were able to listen to the story, there's a, a young girl, a slave girl, who's a soothsayer. She, she can do magic and she can read people's thoughts. And so she's running behind Paul, reading his thoughts and telling people out loud. And so the New Testament says Paul became annoyed with her. Paul becomes so annoyed with her that he prays over her and he heals her of the spirit. And so then her owners, the people who are making money off from her, get really angry and they get Paul arrested and thrown in jail. Who knows if Paul did the right thing or not? Uh, Through his prayers, he probably made things a lot worse for the young woman, though she probably wasn't in a great situation to start with. Now she has no income at all. How's he going to deal with that? But I love the example of Paul's prayer. Paul prays for what his heart leads him to pray, and it's not exactly right perhaps for the situation or or exactly what's called for or maybe even what God intends, but God makes of it what God intends. I think it's a subtle reminder that we don't always have the right words. We don't need the right intentions. We might not even like a person very much, but we can and probably should pray for that person. 
We pray that God would be generous toward that person and God would perhaps change that person, (laughs) that God would show God's self to that person. The reading from Revelation shows us in some ways the, the other side of prayer, that heavenly place where, where prayers are all in all. God has filled the whole universe. People use the book of Revelation sometimes to, to scare others or encourage people or sell books. But Revelation, as some of us are studying every Sunday morning and finding, Revelation is about a vision. It's a vision of the other side of prayer. It's what happens on God's part in response to faithful prayer. God shares thoughts and plans and visions and dreams for us and for all of humanity. And what a vision John's prayer finds, that Christ is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He welcomes home his little ones, all those who have believed, who have been baptized, who seek the love of God. Come, says the Spirit, come and drink and wash and frolic in the holy water of God. Christ's coming will be soon. It's it's the assurance that comes to our praying, to our stammering and stuttering over words. The gospel sounds lovely as we proclaim it and listen to it. It sounds very churchy, very stained glass-like. But we shouldn't miss its radical nature. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. And here, Jesus is praying for his friends. Jesus is praying for his disciples. Jesus is praying for us. So that's another wonderful reminder that if Jesus is praying for us, the pressure's off us to get every prayer exactly right. I don't need the perfect word. I don't need the exact image. I don't need to have the right intention necessarily in my prayer because Jesus through his spirit is already praying within me and around me and for me and ahead of me and behind me. Answers come. Answers come sometimes disguised. Sometimes they come very slowly. Often they come in forms or through people that might surprise us because we've been looking for this and all of a sudden God shows up in this way. But God answers. God shows up and God comes through. Often I fear the church complicates prayer by modeling beautiful, well-crafted, poetic prayers or, or putting prayers to music in such complicated forms of chant that only professionals or, or qualified volunteers can lead us in. But actually, that child learning the Lord's Prayer, word by misplaced word, is closer to how prayer needs to be, ought to be, should be, can be. We're called to pray, to be in relationship with God our Creator, sometimes with words, often with not, and often in silence. But we can learn from the little ones, from those much older. We can learn from all of those around us. As we baptize Mary and Rose in just a minute or two, We can look forward to the day when uh, she learns the Lord's Prayer, probably in several languages, (laughs) and she can remind us when we forget a word or misplace a syllable. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.